Um, and I don't want to have to look back and say I could have, would have, should have. I want to live a life of achievement and leave a legacy for my grandkids and my great-grandchildren. You're listening to the Bosley Team Podcast, where we interview, share, and teach strategies, successes, and tips to keep equity in your home and profits in your pocket. I'm Rick Bosley, and I'm excited for today's episode with you. I actually recorded it about a year ago. It's been in the archives. I'm excited to finally release it out to you. It's a good friend of mine, Richard Carpentieri, who's a broker of real estate uh, franchises, Keller Williams franchises, a national coach and speaker, has gone from investor to losing it all to rebuilding it back. He has a life by design, not by default. He talks to you today about how he stays accountable and some tools that you can use to make sure you're accountable in your life. Thanks for listening. Okay, so thanks for jumping on with a good friend of mine, Rich Carpentieri. Rich, uh, you and I go back at least 2011 when we became colleagues as team leaders and now uh, both thriving and, and kind of similar yet also different paths of Keller Williams. So thanks for jumping on here with me. It's my pleasure, Rick. So uh, where we are at it is we're doing this series of six personal perspectives, and we've gone through the six steps, and now here we are in the final step of being accountable. And when I reached out to you, honestly, you could have been a spokesperson for all six of these because you truly are uh, living a life by design and not by default, yet you chose this chapter and this, this specific one for you. What about it stood out that you thought this is someone that you, you felt valid, that you can be a great testament or be a great billboard for? Well, I think that being accountable goes back to just taking responsibility for your entire life and every aspect of it. Um, a lot of people go through life looking at, their, at the problems and they're not focused on solutions. So they don't, they don't take responsibility for things when, when things go wrong. And the first thing we should do is take a look in the mirror. When things don't go right in our life, we really should look in the mirror and say, who do I have to become in order to achieve whatever it is you're looking to achieve or get different results? Um, so taking responsibility and ownership of our life in every aspect is probably the biggest, the biggest reason for me for being accountable. Well, I love that. We're going to unpack it a little bit. Before we do, share with, with uh, the crowd or the listeners who you are, a little bit about your background, the CNN version. That way they, they know who you are, who they're listening to, uh, sure. not only to understand perspective, also if they had follow-up questions, how they could had connect with you. Sure. So I'm currently a, uh, an OP of several market centers and a bold coach. Uh, I've been through seven different roles in Keller Williams. I came over in 2008 uh, as an agent and then went on to the ALC, went into the team leader role, general manager role, uh, then bold coach and OP. So I've been through several different roles and each one is uh, a little bit different and yet they all have one thing in common. To be successful at any role, we need to take responsibility and be accountable that's what high achievers do, no matter what the title is. I love that. And our former CEO, John Davis, used to say the only politics at Keller Williams was results and performance. That's right. And a lot of that there. You know, as we go through the, the six steps, a lot of the goal setting, uh, a lot of the planning is about putting the gas in the car. And I believe accountability is, is the oil. It's what actually keeps it moving strong, keeps it healthy, keeps it from knocking, and gives it legs and gives it life accountability is a word I believe is, is kind of tossed around lightly uh, at Keller Williams and business conversations. Uh, it almost reminds me of, of eating broccoli. You know me and my analogies, right? It's, it's right. the vegetables, it's the Brussels, it's the greens that everybody knows we need it, yet sometimes we don't always uh, seek it out or desire it. Why do you think that is? Why is being accountable so difficult for people as a whole 
um, when, when all the tools are there? What's, what's the hardship? Well, I think it goes back to, you know, most people want to look good and be right in everything they do. And accountability is going to show that they have blind spots, you know, and I think the blind spots are a major, a major road for us to go to, uh, to go to a higher level, to make, make sure that we realize that we all have, we, we're not perfect. Uh, and it's, it's an illusion. Uh, so we've got to know what those blind spots are and accountability uh, is one of the things that helps us realize that there's always room for improvement because our biggest competition is it's never other people, Rick. It's always our potential. We're always chasing our potential. You need the best version of ourselves. Uh, well, and you went right into, um, and if you're following along with the slides, if not, you can find it or you can email me at, at rick at rickbosley.com and you can have these slides. Yet, talk about what you're seeing in front of me right now, Rich, of being a victim versus being accountable because you already said the first one. A victim doesn't seek reality and being accountable seeks out the reality. Um, yeah, yeah. Even if so, it's ugly, right? Oh, it's real ugly. So victims don't seek reality. They live, in, they live in a delusional world. They make excuses up. And we're just going to call them stories right now. And stories don't have to be lies. I think a lot of people get this confused. When somebody says that they, you know, my dog ate their homework, that really could have happened. It may be reality. It could be the truth. And yet it's not focused on the solution. Um, a person who's accountable We'll just figure out what it's going to take to get that, that homework duplicated, do it over again. So, so accountable people are looking into the future. They're focused on solutions, and victims are always looking at the past and focused on their problems. Well, and I feel like you've taught this or know this or lived this a couple of times because you, you're going right through it. Right. Victims fight reality. Accountable people acknowledge it. Uh, victims will blame external factors. If you're accountable, you own it. Rich, you and I have known each other, and we never made mistakes ever in, in what we've done, right? Um, yeah, I wish I could say that. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Can, can you give me an example of what stands out of one of your greatest learning opportunities that had you taken a different approach or different mindset, and, and had you gone into a victim mindset and not an accountable one, might have given you a very different result and what it opened up as an opportunity for you. Does anything stand out for you? Uh, yeah, probably one thing. Um, early on becoming a team leader in 2009, um, I, I used to send uh, at the time, our, the OP, our OP at the time, uh, my daily results for how many phone calls I made, how many contacts, how many appointments I set, and how many people we brought in or rescued. And um, she never asked for it. I sent it because when my numbers were bad, I was embarrassed to send those numbers to her. So when, when the numbers weren't good at the end of the day, if I didn't book any appointments or just booked one appointment, I, I always would say to myself, you know, make five more calls, make you know, three more conversations. Uh, and when you add those, those things up, they took the days where we had one appointment to two, the days we had zero to one. Um, and, and in fact, I just did that because I wanted to reach a higher level of success for myself. So it was important for me to own the, the numbers were, were my, that was my scoreboard. That was my scorecard. Um, good or bad, you got to own it. You, you got to take responsibility. Well, and being a former team leader as well, it is easy to blame the external demands and the external pressure of, you know, the, the, the issues that come up, the agents you have to go figure out or the classes you're attending. Yet at the end of the day, you owned it. And, and what I love is by doing that extra one or two calls per day, that equated to an extra five to 10 per week, an extra 15 to, to 30 per month, an extra 300 per year. And ultimately that gave you your success. Uh, I know you're a black belt recruiter, 
right? Uh, several yeah. years um, grossed over 100, probably even over 120. Do you know what your total recruiting numbers are? I'm just curious if you have the top of your head. Uh, I, I don't. I, I would say there's over 600 in six years, though. Yeah. And then you've mentioned several times uh, focus on the solutions, not the problems. As a bold coach, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in the room. You've been coaching bold since 2012. Is that accurate? 14. 2014. Okay. Um, so you, you've been able to impact several thousand people through the bold experience. Sure. Uh, oftentimes is when you break down the walls of moving people from victim to accountability. If somebody's listening to this right now, how do they acknowledge or how do they realize what side of this, this conversation they're on? Is there any um, you know, key factors that you can identify that says, if you're doing this, be careful because you might be in victim mode? Sure. I think the biggest question is uh, find out where their focus is. If, if, if their conversation is based on the problem, uh, then they're not moving forward. They're staying in the past. It's only when they take their conversation and their thought process to the future and focus on the solution that they're ready to move forward. So they're just kind of stagnant. They're standing still. Victims will live in the past. Right. They'll always go back to the past. And, and that's why they say that, you know, there's a reason why our windshield, the rearview mirror is, you know, only nine inches long and your windshield is four feet wide. If you're driving, you can't drive through life looking through a rearview mirror. You've got to look through the windshield. Right, which, which goes right into the final thing of this, just get on with it. What's yeah. done is done. How do we improve? John Maxwell has the book, Sometimes We Win, Sometimes We Learn. Uh, yet you only can learn if you can reflect and, and get on with it. Uh, let's, let's go into a little bit as, as we go down the chapter. It talks about accountability and having different people in your world and your life that can hold you accountable. I, I think a common um, conception is to have a mentor. And, and yet what we learn in the quantum leap course and in this course is one person typically will not do it because a business mentor might not be the best physical mentor or, or a family mentor. Uh, so we talk about the people in, in Mo Anderson's box and Mo Anderson's our CEO in the nineties, now vice chairman of the board of having a financial mentor that you're accountable to a spiritual, a physical, a business. How many people would you say you have in your box? Is this box filled for you? And tell me how that has impacted your success as a father, as a new grandfather, as a bold coach, as a Keller Williams leader. How has this concept impacted you? Sure. So unfortunately, I do not have every, every circle or box filled. Uh, I do have uh, the financial and business ones filled. So financially, uh, my brother was the uh, CFO of J.P. Morgan Chase and he retired about five years ago. Um, so when it comes to finances, a lot of the strategies and things that I do with net worth and net building has to do uh, with conversations that I have with my brother, uh, who's uh, knowledgeable in this area. He's a lot smarter than I am. Uh, spiritual and physical are, are two areas that I have uh, voids in right now that I'm looking to fill. Um, and business is definitely, I have two MAPS mastery coaches. I have one with uh, Steve Schlater, who's my head bold coach, and I have another one with Mike Fleming, uh, and, and possibly possibly looking to get a third one, uh, which may be for net, net worth and net building. I'm looking to build that. It's something I've been focused on for the last five years, and, and I'm just listening to Gary. We're on a group call with Gary yesterday, and, and uh, he's, fully, he's fully in uh, on MAPS coaching, and and the fastest way to mastery and the only way to sustain mastery, he said, was to have a coach. So if that's something that's important to me, then it's up to me to go out and get a coach for that one particular 
topic. We, we actually need a coach for each individual thing that's important to us because who's going to hold us accountable? It's always going to come back to accountability. You said a specific word there, which was sustained mastery to get a coach. You are a coach and you are a student and you are, are being coached. Mm-hmm. Talk about the relationship you and your coaches have had and how it has impacted you over the past, you said 2009 you started, over the past almost 10 years, um, what, a, what a coach has done for you in terms of your growth that you think without you might have not got here as fast or at all? Well, I've had some great coaches over the years uh, through MAPS. Uh, I, I never had a coach prior to Keller Williams, um, and I've learned so much from being coached uh, because they interrogate my reality. See, we all have a different perception uh, the 7 billion people on the planet, the 7 billion perceptions out there. So the coach's job is to look for gaps in my life, identify them, and then close the gap. So uh, having a good coach is so important because what they actually do is they come down to my level uh, and, and they basically grab me by the hand and pull me up to their level on whatever that particular topic is. So some of the things is body language, tonality, it's not just the words we use. They're so important. And yet, a lot of the times a coach will be able to pick up something may not be up to par because of tonality or body language. Uh, and, and it's their job to interrogate and say, wait a minute, that, that just doesn't sound right. Right. Uh, and great coaches will take, they take me to, they'll take any person to a, a place where we'll hide. People will hide behind conversations that we know other people won't go. A coach's job is to is to go to those conversations. So they interrogate reality for me. When, and I just put it back to this chart of a victim versus accountability. So last week I was teaching in Winter Haven, having a conversation with an agent about eight months in the business, and he asked, should he get a coach? And I don't think it's a black and white answer. And I, my response was, are you coachable? And just through listening to you right now, I think someone who says they're not coachable is probably because they're stating in a, in a victim mindset because anybody who is accountable says they're going to seek it out and they're going to own it. They're going to honor with it. And, they, and the coach almost keeps you from falling into victimhood. Mm-hmm. Um, would, would you agree or add or elaborate that of people who, because not everyone does well with a coach. Would you agree? And, uh, I think that there are some people that may not do uh, great with the coach if they don't have the right coach. I think <laughs> when given the right coach, they'll ask the right questions to, to help move that person from where they are to where they want to be. And it's going to come down to uh, a lot of times great, emotional, powerful questions. Well, so I, yeah, that's a great point. Identifying the coach that says, if I'm not seeking reality, if I'm not owning it, if I'm not getting on with it, and I keep looking in the rear view mirror and my coach allows me to do that and almost brushes over it, then we've got to fix the mindset. And you said early on of who do you have to become? And, and once you can become the person of be, do, have, uh, who's the type who would do the things, then you get to have that. Um, so I, I love that. I've had a coach since I started the Keller Williams day one in 2011, uh, shifting back in the agent side from day one. Uh, I've gotten a coach there. So I know what coaching does for me. And I think it's a common misconception that coaches are trainers and I'm supposed to leave a conversation with my coach with, with new ideas I didn't know before, yet um, almost validating what you just said, it's more so of interrogating my own reality and making sure I'm thinking bigger and faster and stronger sure. than I would of my own. Sure. Uh, 
being accountable, they talk about some, some accountability sessions, uh, tools like the 411, which we've gone over in a previous episode, or, or when you hold accountable. You are the OP now of, is it, is it four market centers? Three market centers in a business. In a business center. So you have four leaders there. Uh, what conversations do you have with the people on your team that holds them accountable? And if somebody's listening right now and they've got a team that they feel is not exactly doing what they've got to do, how do you hold other people accountable? Basically, we just go back to basics and we start with questions. You know, I never, I don't think it's great for any of us to assume anything. I think that we, we need to seek first to understand. Uh, even when things don't look right, uh, we need to just go back to reality and just ask them, say, what's going on? So, you know, are, are the, are, first of all, are your numbers, is your scorecard correct? Uh, if so, what's getting in the way? Where should you have been by now at this point of the year, of the month, whatever, uh, of the week? Uh, and then just give them the opportunity. So, you know, because I think if we, if we come at approach and we come hard at them, I think people will become and take a defensive posture. And I think when you, get, when you ask the right question, the person will hear themselves sound like a victim. And, and they're going to just realize, you know, was I in victim mode? Was I making excuses? And, and the answer is, yeah, you are. Um, so I think it always comes down to asking the right questions will get people to self-discover uh, where their blind spots or shortfalls are. And then it's our job as coaches or people that are holding others accountable, how to move them forward. One of the things on our call with Gary yesterday, I thought he said was great. You know, my, my, my interpretation of a coach was always the difference between coaching and, and training or teaching is, you know, training or teacher instructors show you what to do and coaches get you to actually do it. And Gary yesterday was very specific on the phone with us yesterday with MAPS, all the coaches. He says a coach has got to do both. So we've actually got to get them to do what they say they're going to do. And when there's a shortfall or, or, or a gap, it's our job to point them in the right direction to get them the training, whether that's career visioning or whatever that is. Um, and, and, and it's a combination because great coaches will actually be a combination of both, coach and training. Well, and I love that because oftentimes, you know, as we hear and go to Coach's Skills Camp, it all is questions, questions, questions. And Danica Kokoski used to joke of going, if they don't know what two plus two is, you can't say, what if you did know? They're still not going to know what two plus two is. So it's a matter of being that, that combination, yet making sure you're more than just a trainer. So I think it's important uh, as you're listening to this, and you've done a great job because you were my general manager for several years of uh, not pulling someone out of victim and trying to force feed them into accountability because then that person, as soon as you leave the office, goes right back and helping that self-discovery through asking powerful questions. Uh, in 2011, the, the growth initiative was born, which was really looking at four conversations. And then uh, a couple years back, the career growth initiative. And, and so walk me through how the simplicity of, of tracking four numbers. Um, as a team leaders, it was appointments, gross hired, net hired, and profit. As agents, it's appointments, listings, taken, closings, and profit. What's the impact or significance about a one-page simplicity chart as a growth initiative or career growth initiative, and how has it impacted you? Sure. I think that this is such an important uh, piece of our industry and thinking process because the purpose of business is to make a profit. Nobody goes into business to lose money, so we're all in there to make a profit. 
So the problem is, or the challenge or opportunity for us is how do we connect the dots to get from where we are to where we want to be, which is profitable, whatever that goal is. And this chart demonstrates the, the four, we have to connect the dots. So it all starts off by appointments, whether you're a team leader or an agent. It's listing appointments if you're an agent. It's, you know, rescuing appointments if you're a team leader. Uh, so and the correlation is the more appointments we have, the more profit will show up. Right. And so there's, uh, there's other dots in between. So the appointments are going to lead to either listings uh, or they're going to lead to recruits, which is, which is gross, we would say, on the career growth. Or, and then there's a wall of value in the middle, which is anything we're going to do that adds value. And I think the biggest misconception is people throw money at problems, and that's a mistake. Money isn't, isn't a value, uh, so to speak, because people that join your organization because of money will leave it for the same reason. The same thing with agents building teams. You know, they think they're, they're going to throw different commission splits at agents. A commission split is not a value proposition. It's what you have to offer outside of compensation will be the value. The mentoring, the coaching, the content, the time that you, you spend with them, developing them. Uh, and, and then it goes to, you know, your, your listing, your closings as an agent or your net or, you know, retention, the value proposition of the office and your entire staff provides a value to the agent that retains that person and helps grow their business, which then makes a profit for either the market center and or the agent. So it's just, it's just connecting the dots, Rick. It's a simple conversation, how you get to one to the other, and it all starts with appointments. No matter how we slice it or dice it, we can always, for the agents that are not hitting their numbers, we can always go back to the first conversation appointments and realize they didn't hit their, if they didn't hit their, their first conversation, the second, third, and fourth become more challenging. Right. I love that. And it's the dominoes going back to the one thing that if you're not doing the first, it's not going to happen. Uh, okay, Rich. So, so as we go through this and, and wrapping up this conversation, if you could go back in time to 2009 and you could have watched your last 10 years and told the, the previous self, hey, Rich, watch out for this, heads up, that if you would have had the wisdom, you'd have done it differently. Now, we know that everything you did made you do you hard now. Yet, if you could have gotten the wisdom, what advice would you have given to your 10-year-old self or 10 years ago self that might have got you here faster? That's a great question. Good question. I would say uh, go out and make mistakes faster um, and, and just remind myself that perfection uh, is the enemy of profitability. Uh, it's not about looking good or being right. You just got to go out there and take action. We'll figure out right from wrong. The team leaders and staff and agents will help us with the mistakes. Our coach will help us. I think that we're so fixated on, on looking good in front of other people that it just, it just stops us dead in our tracks. It kind of paralyzes us. And that brings you back to like procrastination, you know. And when you think about the word procrastination, it has different meanings for different people. And for me, procrastination happens when the pain of taking action is greater than the pleasure of achievement. So instead of focusing on the pain of taking action, I would tell myself to focus more on the pleasure of achievement. And I love that. And, and actually, before you can do that, you have to know what achievement looks like. So having that plan and having that vision for yeah. yourself. Um, so if we do some rapid fire questions in, in your career, who's been the most impactful person that you could give credit to and omen to, to, to helping you get where you're at? My wife. Tell me more. Um, when I was asked to be the team leader in the Orlando Market Center, my first three times I said no. Uh, so when they validated my my uh, my AVA back then in 2009, 
um, they brought my wife in uh, to sit beside me. Uh, and once they convinced her that she knew that it was the right decision for me to go to leadership as opposed to being an agent, um, she looked at me and then just basically had a couple of words of wisdom uh, and, and had to really step out of a comfort zone because she had to take over my business, my real estate business, in order for me to be team leader. Um, and she had never listed or sold a house in her life. She was just a licensed administrative assistant. So for me, it would be my wife, Debbie. And I love how quickly you did that because it's uh, so many people that you've been exposed to that could have been a, a number of all-stars in the list. Uh, how about a, a book or um, a training that you've gone that you feel when you read it or when you heard it had the greatest impact, both short-term and long-term? Uh, I would definitely say for training, uh, Coach's Skills Camp and Bold, obviously. Uh, I'm, I'm, Coach's Skills Camp was, is absolutely amazing. I've been through it. Uh, six or seven times. So that's fantastic. As far as a book, I'm always going to go back to the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, uh, especially the one designed for Keller Williams. It tells Mo's story, the, you know, the big Mo. And uh, I, I just think that there's so much credibility uh, with John Maxwell, the author, and the, and the topics. The law of the lid has affected all of our lives in different ways. So I might have to go back and say John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Perfect. I love that. And then if we could wrap it up with anything that I should have asked you, I haven't, um, around accountability, around the mindset, and also just in general for people who desire, not just for realtors, you might have investors listening to this, lenders, loan officers, title reps, whoever might be listening, what, what wisdom could you instill that, that I forgot to ask that you want to make sure everyone gets a, the final aha for? Uh, I think that um, just ask people, you know, What's holding you back from having the best day of your life? Because I don't think most people just cognitively think about what would make today the best day of my life. And then the once they're able to identify, you know, to, we need to ask more people, you know, why settle for good while great's still available? So what would the best day of your life look like? And then once the person knows what that looks like, then what's getting in your way from, from living that life? You know, so I think that asking those questions gets, gets people focused in on what really matters. Because the biggest regret is living a life of regrets, Rick. As we get older, um, you know, there'll be a day when we're all on that, 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 that bed that we don't want to be on. Um, and I don't want to have to look back and say I could have, would have, should have. I want to live a life of achievement and leave a legacy for my grandkids and my great-grandchildren. Uh, and that's important. And there's only one way to do that is self-development and growth. I love that. Which, which goes back to what you said over and over again. Stop, take some time, look in the mirror, and ask yourself some powerful questions and have clarity. Yeah. Rich, I, uh, I so appreciate you jumping on here. If somebody wanted to follow up with you and ask you some questions, what's the best contact that they can reach out to you? Sure. My phone number is 407-433-8261. Perfect. Okay. Rich Carpentieri, he's a, a bold coach all over the country. He's out of Central Florida, Orlando area. Rich, a longtime friend of mine. I appreciate you jumping on. And we will connect with you sometime soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rick. Hey, thanks for listening today. That was episode seven of the Bosley Team podcast. And I trust you found value and information to help you move forward in your business with your accountability or however you can apply it. If you liked what you heard today, do us a favor. Comment, like, subscribe, wherever you're listening to. It really does help. And we look forward to hearing from you again and sharing more podcasts in the future. Thanks again. Have a great day.